Hello and welcome to the Old Plane Podcast, where in every episode we review in depth one particular aspect of the aviation industry with expert professionals. You will find lots of other interesting insights and stories about the aviation industry, as well as previous episodes of this podcast, on our website, oldplane.tv. That's a A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E.tv. Now, for good and for bad, airlines are a very high-profile industry when it comes to public awareness. But this means that communications and PR have always been super important. And this is even more true in moments such as those we're living through now. The COVID-19 pandemic poses a number of challenges when it comes to communications. It's a perfect storm. Flight cancellations, groundings, health risks, redundancies, and all of this in a general atmosphere of uncertainty and anxiety. What can airlines, airports, and the rest of the aviation industry do in order to communicate better in these very difficult circumstances? Who's doing a great job? Who's doing it not so greatly? Which are the priorities now for the airlines when it comes to communications? Today on the podcast, we have a panel of three amazing aviation communication professionals from different parts of the world. They will share their insights and experiences in this field. We have Tamara Bullock, who is the founder of US-based Altitude Strategies and who has also extensive experience in this field in Europe and the Middle East. We have also Victoria Manakova from the Moscow office of Citygate D. Rogerson, a firm that counts among its customers uh, the likes of Airbus and Assault, and Gareth Edmondson-Jones, who now does communications for TAP Air Portugal and Tourism of Portugal in the U.S., but who previously uh, has been working also with uh, airlines such as JetBlue and Virgin America, where in both cases was part of the initial team that launched the airline, as well as Azul in Brazil and Virgin Atlantic. So without further ado, let's get this conversation started. Today we have a bit of a different format. Instead of a one-to-one interview, we have here in the podcast three very experienced professionals in the field of aviation, PR, and communications. And we are going to review some of the um, hot topics in this area at the moment. So let me introduce our speakers today. We have Victoria Manakova that works at Citygate DU Rogerson in Moscow, uh, working with aviation and aerospace customers. Then we have uh, Tamara Bullock. Uh, she's the founder of Altitude Strategies. She works with quite a few major players in the aviation industry, including some airlines. And Gareth Edmondson Jones that has a long track record as well in uh, the airline industry and is currently advising TAP Air Portugal and uh, Tourism of Portugal. But before that, he was at JetBlue, he was at Virgin America, uh, Virgin Atlantic, and Azul in Brazil. So quite a long experience. How are you guys coping with all this very strange situation that we are living through? What have been your experience so far? Who would you like to start? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe uh, Tamara? You want to yeah, start? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Miguel, very much for inviting us to this podcast. Uh, topic uh, could not be more interesting, more relevant. Uh, as we all know, uh, 
the wider global economy is suffering hugely in the past, has been suffering hugely in the past three months, and uh, aviation took probably the hardest hit along with uh, tourism and uh, restaurants, hotels, uh, and other related industries. Uh, obviously, uh, working on the agency and consulting side, I've seen the decline in the, the amount of requests for services. On the other hand, uh, all of our clients are busy with a constant crisis communication because uh, since the corona hit uh, probably in Asia in the first round uh, back in January and then going towards Europe, United States, and now Latin America, uh, the constant mode was change management. And uh, normally you prepare for these kinds of things and you have all sorts of scenarios planned, whether it's uh, heaven forbid a plane crash or hij plane hijacking or IT malfunctioning, uh, hackers going into an airline system. This one, nobody was really prepared for. Not only in aviation, but throughout other industries as well, even at the highest level of global establishments and healthcare systems, they were not prepared for. So I think everyone is learning in the process. Uh, from airports, airlines, manufacturers. Uh, we've seen recently a lot of uh, back and forth between airlines and manufacturers on the delayed orders, on the future canceled orders, uh, some hard talk as well. So uh, one thing is certain after this period, uh, we will know much more than we did back in February whether we are in communication or marketing or public affairs or any other function in the industry. And the other thing, it will be a constant change going forward. Okay, so can we say that maybe there's different levels here that the current situation has affected the industry? One of them is obviously the first impact, which is actually managing all the disruption that was caused by the, by the pandemic and the border closures and all that, their airline groundings. Then there's another level, which is actually how the airlines are managing the whole situation that has uh, resulted from this. And this includes things like, for example, how they are handling the refundings, reschedulings, then all the issue with the frequent flyers also losing you know, like status and stuff like that. Today, actually, I've seen, a, seen an article about the perception of the different airlines, how they have been managing this crisis and, and whether they have uh, improved their perception among the public or actually worsened it. Uh, I will post it in the transcript, but I, I found that quite interesting. Not just the first impact, but also looking to the future, there's how you communicate all the uh, changes. That's one of the topics I wanted to touch today is how, how you communicate all the changes. Is the, this airline safe? What uh, sort of Changes in the experience are we going to expect from now on? For example, today I saw that some airlines are discontinuing alcohol, for example, on board mm -hmm. flights, things like that. How do you see this? Who would like to answer this first? Tamara, Gareth, Victoria? Any thoughts? I'd like to jump in, uh, sure. Victoria, here. Um, so uh, the, the thing about this crisis, a very peculiar thing is, uh, in terms of communication, is basically that all of the players involved in the process work in the industry, they were forced to choose between uh, bad and very bad in terms of communications, because um, so far we have only seen problems. Uh, there is tickets cancellation. There is, there is uh, um, obviously refunds 
that they would have to somehow organize and manage. And obviously cash is being difficult now, so you cannot really just give people back money. So it's it's a very it's a very tough question and it's a very tough uh, situation they have to tackle. Uh, another uh, thing is, uh, you know, how how is it going to be in the future? How are we going to sit inside the planes? How are you going to board people? All that kind of procedures, and that's only on the passenger side because there is a it, it, you know we gotta realize that there's a, a lot of audiences uh, that airlines. Uh, have to talk to and the producers, the manufacturers. Uh, you have passengers, you have uh, partners, you have any any kind of uh, people involved from government to to the end customer, right? Uh, and for all of these people, you need uh, to carefully prepare messages. But uh, you see, it, it's very important to find um, a balance uh, in your messaging because you cannot be too negative. And you cannot be too positive. But what you have to be, in my opinion, is be consistent in disclosing information, sharing this information, uh, and providing people with uh, uh, everything important at the moment. And also uh, be transparent. Because in, in times like this, well, we haven't really seen times like this, but in crisis in general, uh, you have to be honest. You have to be transparent, even if there are some details that you do not know. At the moment, you have to know how to uh, find your way around this. I mean, communicating uh, this kind of things to the audience. So it, it's all about balance. Unfortunately, airlines, for example, have to prioritize their communications and you know, tackle uh, the incoming messages from from people, for example, who cannot leave uh, some countries who cannot come back home. So they have to answer these people first. For example, on social media or in the call centers, and then keep on talking to to keep on tapping different other different requests. So yeah, summing it up, I think balance uh, is a key word. I, I couldn't agree more with on on the tone. Uh, as, you, as you're saying, you 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 never want to be the uh, the the overly optimistic uh, person looking like they're selling good news, but by the same token, uh, you have to keep a, a neutral balance. And and as you say, just just be truthful and constant and, and factual. What I've found is that um, having been on the on both sides of the equation uh, as an in-house PR person or as a consultant as I am now, uh, you don't always know the answers straight away because you're not, well, it used to be the days where you used to find things out in the, in the corridor or in the hall when you, were, when you were bumping into people and chatting. But I suppose everyone's in that same boat now. Everyone's at home. So we're all sort of finding out uh, things together. But um, I thought it was fascinating when the Thursday night when when President Trump closed incoming visitors from uh, the Schengen area who had spent not not even based on citizenship, uh, based on positioning. Anyone who had been in Schengen area for 14, the last 14 days couldn't come to the States unless they were citizens. That obviously surprised us. And um, we that was our first crisis, if you will, because we had um, a handful of media traveling on different trips, not even on the same trip. So we had, I think, three pairs of media in different parts of the world. So suddenly you think, well, how do we get you home in a hurry? So that, that was um, first and foremost. So, uh, so just, in, just in case, because we didn't know what was going to happen after the, after the Saturday flights finished. But ongoing, the, you know, it's, it's like taking a, a class in, uh, in world politics, really, because, I mean, it's not just... It's not just the health pandemic, but it's obviously the political response to it. So we, 
Portugal has an interest, interesting um, uh, outlook in that uh, any Portuguese uh, speaking countries or countries with a large Portuguese community are, were, were never shut out. And so if, if you have a diaspora, you're welcome back. And we communicated that out only to find that once that would have, had happened, another part of government said, oh, that is true, except asterisk, uh, except um, in, the, in the form of reciprocity. And so if the US isn't allowing Schengen area visitors in, we can't allow non-essential, uh, non-dual citizen or residents of Portugal in. So that we're still waiting on. We're basically, um, we're hoping July 1st, now that, now that Europe is traveling within itself, uh, we're hoping that um, the US and North America can, uh, can come back from July 1st, but, but we'll see. So the, the ban is still in place. European citizens cannot currently fly to the US. Correct. So we're, Canadians we're, we're, also cannot do, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're waiting on that. Um, of course, the US-Canadian border is still closed as well. So, so I can't see Europe being allowed in before Canada. And we just got a note this morning that Canada looks like it's being held till uh, July 21st. I'm not sure why that date. Oh, wow. Um, so I can't imagine that Europe will be before July 21st now. But still some flights, though. I mean, I know personally because my, my grandmother got um, stuck in the U.S. Uh, she was there on a family visit, and she's been there for a few months already. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, so fl flight, flights are happening. It's just yeah, that um, yeah. it depends on, it, obviously, inbound. Uh, yeah. you, you need to be a U.S. citizen mm -hmm. or resident uh -huh. and vice versa going that way. So it you just... It, the flights can still happen. It's just it's just an impact on on the demand. Yeah, you do um, communications for TAP Air Portugal. That is an airline that has invested heavily in the North American market, one of the major markets, uh, also for transits to Europe. Are there any specific measures on the communication side? For example, I'm I'm thinking about Air France now that uh, recently has unveiled a, a sort of brand. I don't know if that's technically a brand, but it's something called Air France Protect which is basically they, they put together all the safety measures that they have been adopting and they have created some nice brochures and some uh, websites and stuff like that and put it on the sort of nice logo just to communicate how they are caring about all this. I don't know if, are there other airlines doing this type of thing as well? Thinking yes, about the, TAP, uh, TAP also yeah. has a, uh, it, it's TAP clean and safe and it's on, it's on the website as well and it, and it su summarizes all the, uh, cleaning um, and uh, hygiene uh, protocols, but also how onboard uh, servers might have changed. You know, well, the, the 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 meals are packaged, obviously, and and uh, you know other other elements of um, you know obviously recommending masks, etc. So, tap clean and safe is is their their version, um, which actually takes its name from something Portugal did just before. Portugal did a kind of a, like a good housekeeping sort of seal of approval in that any hotels or other tourism companies, organizations who were following the Portugal's Director General of Health's uh, COVID protocols would receive a, a, a clean and safe endorsement, like a stamp. And so that's been very successful uh, in that um, some 12,000 plus uh, companies in Portugal have, have received this stamp showing that they're compliant with the, the protocols. 
uh, and that that's done that's done very well. And in fact, um, Portugal has helped other countries with setting up the same thing. I think they were the first ones out with it, and uh, they've helped. Uh, I think of Switzerland and other countries develop the same sort of thing. So absolutely, to answer your question, part of our job now is absolutely to explain uh, how the airline and, and other, you know, travel authorities are are keeping travelers safe. And, and I think that's part of our communications to develop trust because more than ever, uh, travelers need to be able to trust the airlines and the hotels and the companies that they rely on now. Tamara, Victoria, have you seen similar initiatives in your regions and with the other clients you've been working with or that you know about? Yeah, almost everywhere, uh, regardless if it's a specific brand or it's an initiative uh, of, uh, as uh, Gareth mentioned, trying to rebuild trust in safe and healthy traveling. Um, I would say 95% of the airlines introduced this, but today I've seen a countermeasure, which I think is kind of interesting to mention as probably a pretty negative communications example from Garuda in Indonesia, where their CEO noted that passengers are complaining of lack of smiles, quote to quote. So he ordered all the crew to fly without protective equipment in terms of facial masks and so on. So there are all kinds of examples coming up, but majority of responsible airlines are introducing uh, hygiene and safety measures. And that's one of the main customer facing messages that you can hear these days, but also airports are doing similar things, working together with airlines, but also on their end in terms of facilities, uh, catering, uh, retail that are offered at the airports. one of the main messages is about staying healthy, staying safe, and keeping that, whether we call it physical or social distance, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yes, actually, uh, I had the chance to speak with a crew member of uh, one of the major Gulf Airlines and re- record a podcast with her a few weeks ago, and, and she explained her experience. She was on a repatriation flight. She explained her experience flying in this environment, so I will post a link in the transcript, but you can check on All Plane website on the podcast section. If you're interested in this side of things, yeah, you can see there the point of view of the of the people that have been in the front lines. Yeah, that's uh, very important. Yeah. It's great that you've done such a podcast because I think if we talk about doctors, nurses as heroes, those people who are flight deck and cabin crews are also some sort of individual heroes, especially doing those repatriation flights, uh, doing uh, cargo flights, uh, taking humanitarian aid to different markets during the hardest time of the crisis, and they do deserve the token of attention. Mm-hmm. And actually, some airlines uh, have launched some initiatives as well. I guess that can be included as well in the communications pack. And things like, for example, Iberian Dwelling in Spain have been giving free tickets to health workers. In Russia, an airline called Pavieda, low-cost carrier, mm-hmm. um, actually uh, branded an aircraft with a, a mask, a painted mask. and yeah. like a Other airways as well. Qatar Airways, and I think I've seen some other examples. I cannot recall the airlines exactly, but uh, yeah. In the States, there were quite a few. I think, Gareth, you can add, if I miss something, yeah. but I know JetBlue, uh, Delta, and I would say Southwest, if I remember correctly, they offered to carry for free uh, health workers around the country. That's right. 
So I that, think Carter, Carter Waite also did something like that. Um, giveaway, yeah. They were giveaway for, for medical workers for, for some limited time. Obviously, there's the actual genuine <laughs> effort, but also it's, a, it's a also powerful communications action as well. Uh, in yes. about Russia, if I might just jump in on our regional uh, discussions level, um, I, I think that S7, S7 Airlines is a very good example of, uh, of how a regional airline, well, a domestic airline can, can handle uh, these communications because they not only posted on their website a very, a very thorough article uh, with videos and infographics of how they're providing uh, and guaranteeing safety, onboard safety for their passengers. Uh, they have also been pushing it on their social media. Uh, and I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, thing that they're doing. And uh, in, in general, if we think not only, um, you know, country by country or airline by airline, the uh, unity in efforts of bringing the trust back to the industry made by, by its players, its major players, is and by players, I mean not only airlines, I mean uh, service providers and associations like IATA, for example. Uh, we've been putting a lot of effort into making this work not only uh, in terms of, uh, you know, like posting some information, but also working directly with the regional governments. And it's, it's, it's just amazing the, uh, you know, the volume of effort that's being done simultaneously to bring back the industry. Which is, to me, you know, the, the air transportation industry is a symbol of one of the basic freedoms that we have as humans, which is the freedom of movement. And uh, the fact that in a matter of a couple of weeks or a couple of months, we were suddenly deprived from that freedom, uh, not by choice, of course, but by, um, you know, an unlucky, uh, a very unlucky uh, set of events. Uh, that's a horrifying thing if you think if, if you think about it, uh, because it's just put down the entire industry. Um, we're not talking about like military aviation or cargo aviation at the moment, just talking about passengers, right? And um, the programs that everyone's been launching um, to to bring the trust back, it's just it's just worth mentioning probably every single one of them. And manufacturers also are on board. Uh, for example, uh, as you know, we're working with Airbus, and they've been uh, pushing a very good uh, initiative, which is keep uh, keep trust in air travel. And they've been releasing uh, a set of infographics, videos, uh, and making calls uh, in, in also in regional languages in Russian, for example, as well. Uh, they've been making calls of experts, you know, trying to. Um, to really uh, convey the idea that flying on board uh, is, is safe um, in terms of you know, medical safety. Because if you think about it, uh, with all the filters and all the uh, you know, amazing engineering uh, setup of the aircraft inside the cabin, uh, the air is actually several times cleaner after the flight than when you board it. And uh, if you compare the amount of, uh, well, certain levels of, well, so let's call it levels of air uh, cleanliness, I'm not sure if that's the correct term professionally, but uh, anyways, uh, if you compare that to, 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 to what we have in the offices, where the air sometimes uh, takes uh, 20 minutes to get clean. You know, it's, it's 
surprising that uh, some some people fear to fly aboard an airplane because of that, although wearing a mask, uh, when they are okay sometimes sitting in the same office for like several hours without sometimes uh, proper uh, air circulation. But as we say in Russia, uh, the fear has big eyes, meaning that uh, whatever fears or doubts we have, they uh, magnify uh, the actual problem from what it really is. Uh, and, and that's what we have to deal with uh, here in our communication. Yeah, I follow quite a few of the Airbus communication channels on social media, email, etc. And yeah, it's been quite impressive. I've seen these infographs about the filtering system and the aircraft, for example, um, many times, <laughs> because it's been yeah. very, very visible. Some airlines as well, I have noticed they've been pretty active. For example, Austrian Airlines, uh, it's one of the airlines I've been seeing many times popping up in my in my social media channels uh, with regular frequency communicating a lot about all the different actions whether it was repatriation flights whether it was reopening routes and flights etc yeah and austrian austrian is a miguel good example because their ceo is very communication savvy guy and i think many times as we all know it does come from the top regardless of how much we can advise our clients or internally c-suite to do certain things in terms of communications if they don't have that sort of uh, inclination and they don't feel that's important for the wider strategy it's really hard to achieve results and i think alexis von Kornbroch is really good example of an european airlines ceo who uh, communicates and communicates very well and and Honestly, with, with Victoria, I, I have to commend you and Airbus because I, I couldn't agree more that, um, that, that the, the news about the filtration system on board has been seen everywhere. And, you know, with, with TAP being a, an airline that only flies NEO long haul currently, um, that the, the message that uh, the air is as clean or cleaner than a hospital uh, was, was well received and, and it, it helps us do our work very easily. So uh, much appreciated for all that. Yeah, and also um, another thing that uh, Victoria mentioned is uh, the concept of, of travel as freedom. That's also a, a line that the industry should be pushing more. I have a colleague, he's an entrepreneur. He has a, a technology company that does um, onboard retail. And he posted on social media that travel is the business of freedom. I think that's, that's a line, this association with freedom, it's very powerful. Freedom yeah. with responsibility. I mean, yeah. I, I, I was glad to see today that uh, um, US carriers, and I'm sure around the world, if they don't already, uh, are starting to enforce masks worn on board because um, certainly in, in the States, freedom can often uh, feel a little bit um, selfish. It's, 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 it's about the one person as opposed to the community. And it drives me crazy to see people board a, a plane and then take their masks off. And just, it's obviously, it's just, a, it's a selfish act. So I, I agree. If freedom with responsibility is the way to go, because we have to look after everybody, you know, we're, we're, we, we're, we're, we're responsible for our community. And, and if that community is the onboard passengers, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's twinning both those things together, I think. Indeed, indeed. And, and also, there's another aspect that we haven't really touched, but it's been also pretty important during this period. And it's actually all the airlines that have been in trouble, that have been basically having redundancies, mm-hmm. downsizing. Have you seen here any particular cases or instances of, of good practices that you would like to commend 
Well, I, I think uh, Turkish Airlines did pretty well. Now I'm not going into the whole story of who is subsidized, who is not. Now everyone is going to be subsidized. There is no other way for airlines to survive. Even one Lufthansa where you had Karsten Spohr saying about two months ago, no way in hell we're going to take any money from the government. Now they had to give in and accept 25% ownership by the German government. So in Turkey, what Turkish Airlines did, they made a commitment to them, I guess, it looks like a realistic commitment not to have any redundancies uh, this and I think next year. And then they will reevaluate and look further down the line in terms of business planning. But they made a kind of concrete decision and it was transparently communicated to their staff as well as other uh, reductions in service were communicated to the customers. On the other hand, we had uh, some of the Gulf Airlines uh, going through redundancies, which were obviously pretty necessary and unavoidable, but doing it uh, in a pretty uh, clumsy way, especially with the Emirates where some major grim rumors came out about people even committing suicides. I hope that was not true. It was never clarified to the end, uh, but the way those redundancies were done, it was not strictly planned for, and some of them were done in the group meetings, and these are extremely sensitive times for everyone for staff, for passengers, for management. So there has to be some strategy. I think it all boils down to the crisis planning. Uh, when we had 9-11, I don't think any of us, and back in the days, whoever was working in the PR comms industry planned for 9-11 scenario. I think the same thing applies here. None of us really planned for the global major pandemic scenario, which crashes completely one or two or three industries. So in the future, that will have to change. As communicators, we will have to plan more carefully, including this internal segments uh, of uh, staff engagement, uh, layoffs, and also investor relations, which are also a big part of our job to a certain extent. And, and also government relations, because yeah. here we've got some cases as well of airlines that were before the pandemic, were already kind of on the brink. <laughs> and, and the pandemic kind of provided um, sort of an excuse to, to, to claim some, some uh, government bailouts and, and support. Um, thinking here, case of Alitalia, for example. Uh, well, Alitalia has nine lives, I think. Yeah. <laughs> to another degree, Nor Norwegian as well. It's an airline that was in a complicated situation already before that happened. Uh, well, in those cases, in a way, I guess it, it's been made easier to communicate the government bailout, it would have been more, it would have been harder to, to justify, I guess, in normal situations. But now, I mean, if everyone is getting it. Yeah, um, the they... cash reserves are, were the problem. I mean, uh, where airlines were not transparent towards uh, the industry bodies, the government and their own staff were the state of the cash reserves. And then when the bailout came in the States, they were all waiting in line to get some money from Trump's administration, whether right or wrong, but that, that was the case. And if you are operating as a solid business, financial experts say that you always have to have six months of cash reserves ready to pay all the salaries, all the expenses, and then you can start sort of complaining of financial trouble. Uh, Gareth, I don't know if um, in the US, uh, when there's the experience of the, of the previous bailout, the banking bailout that was 2008, um, generated a lot of controversy. I don't know if in this case, all these bailouts for airlines, have they generated strong controversy as well? Uh, yes and no. Uh, small pockets of it. I mean, um, people people always complain about everything, right? So, but it hasn't it hasn't been major news. I think it's uh, for the most part people understand that 
business requires airlines and for, for business to come back, airlines need to exist. So I think begrudgingly, no matter how much money they were making beforehand, begrudgingly people say, well, we, we need them around. So, so that's fine. So, that, you know, that, that, that makes sense. But then um, I, I was just thinking what you were saying about 9-11 and, and how, how similar it is, but it's kind of a, a, a longer version. But when you, when you look at the, many of the communications, uh, it, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's sim- it has a lot of similarities. I, we were at JetBlue during 9-11 and it wasn't, JetBlue had, hadn't even had one full calendar year of flying when that happened. And of course, being based in New York, that was sort of the, the, the worst of all situations. And I, that, was, that was actually the last time I walked up to a, a flight and so there was no one on it. At five minutes to go, I thought, where is everybody? Oh, that's right. Um, but as, as the, the communication then, as it is now is, you know, we, we, we know that there are many reasons you don't want to fly. Uh, it's not dollar based. You know, you're not, you're not, not flying because you're waiting out for a sale. There, there are, there are big reasons you're not flying. And our, as, as a, as a brand that you trust, we have to say, you know, we're, we're ready for you when, when you're ready. So, you know, here's, here's how we've cleaned. Here's how we've prepared. Here's how we're, here's how we're flying, but we're ready for you when you're ready. Uh, tap is returned to service uh, this month, uh, just so far with one route, a Newark, Newark, New York to, uh, to Lisbon. But in July, uh, they're adding back service to Boston, Miami, Toronto, and actually adding three new routes, which is, I think is unheard of. I, I haven't heard of any other airline inaugurating three new routes next month. So Gareth, I, I heard, um, I remember that I got the press release from top announcing the new routes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that was just in the, at, at the peak of the worst exactly moment of the epidemic so wow exactly. these people are are are, are bold <laughs> yeah Vizier did something similar yesterday they announced nine uh, new european routes uh, out of belgrade uh, i think uh, they're trying to use this moment where the major government-owned airlines are figuring out what to do next and how to put their strategy to win more market in europe so there, there oh, are good and positive examples just like tap interesting so yeah. ultimately, it's it's going to depend on demand, obviously, because I mean, um, right right now, TAP will be at, uh, is planning to be back at fifty percent of network uh, this this autumn, as it was pre COVID. So so it, as as far as furloughs and and uh, and laying staff off, obviously, you know, the the faster demand comes back, the faster staff come back. But um, so it's it's really we got we got to see how. Uh, a second wave may play out and, and how uh, traveling confidence comes back. But if, if people, it, it seems that people get, it's like, it's like the boiling frog. People are, are, are shocked about something, they get used to it. And with precautions and, and, and you know, taking all the right protocols, hopefully we can safely build travel back up again and demand and keep people uh, employed and and return to some normalcy but it'll it'll take it'll take a little while obviously a long while well let's hope so yeah i mean let's hope it recovers (laughs) and it takes shorter time than many expecting but of course needs to be need to plan for the wars right prepare for the wars and expect the the best are there any other initiatives in in other parts of the world that have caught your eye 
I, I hate to say it's, it's not an airline example, but I thought the classiest um, uh, mass layoff was Airbnb. The, the letter from you know, Brian, the CEO, to the employees was incredibly well done. And, and I understand from a communications standpoint, it was because he, the world, the, the bricks came down on him beforehand when, when they upset all the hosts. But, uh, so, so they had to get this one right. But um, I was very impressed with how they handled a significant layoff of their employees um, from a communication standpoint. It was, mm-hmm. it was um, very nicely well done. And, uh, and Gareth, the platform they built for those who are laid off, uh, they basically built a website with their CVs for all the other potential employees to come in and uh, pick and choose if they have any candidates that would fit the profile. And I think that it's a travel industry one way or the other. That example could be used in the future by airlines as well and could be a good case study for planning mass redundancies. That's right. Good stuff. I'm going to check it out. And if I can find some link to... I will send you the link. Yeah. Okay. To a case yeah. study or something like that, I will post it on the, in the transcript. I use this opportunity to remind everyone that with the podcast, I'm going to be posting as well a list of resources, things that we have commented here. And I so, think also, if I may add, Mikhail, um, if we talk about good examples, obviously, US is the largest uh, market with China and so on, uh, Delta always has their communication right in terms of addressing people issues, even when it's grim, when it's difficult. Ed Baskin and his team find the right messaging, uh, how to uh, weather the storms and uh, how to lay out the alternatives and solutions, especially in staff engagement area. And as we mentioned, uh, Alexis from Austrian Airlines is pretty good at it as well. Very good. So... Two more reference to check out. And I think it's, uh, we're getting to the time of uh, wrapping up this very interesting conversation. We'll see how the situation evolves, hopefully for the better. And uh, let's see if we can maybe comment again in a few months time and things are completely different and uh, yeah. things have gone better than everyone expected. And traveling again, we will travel again. It will yeah. be different. It will be probably more expensive for the next six months or year or so, but we will travel again. And I think uh, aviation is such a big part of every country's GDP that it's absolutely impossible not to invest in its recovery and put all the efforts for this sector to come back on its feet. Uh, a very good point, which we somehow missed to touch upon, is actually the digital part of things because it's the technology that allowed us all to stay uh, safer in these times. And um, despite the huge cuts in, in spending for, for different, in different areas, for airlines, for the subcontractors, anyone, digitization of, the, uh, of all the processes is probably a potential area of investment because in, in, in longer term, uh, it can cut costs. And it, if we look purely on the financial side of things, but it also allows um, people to have less uh, contact uh, between each other I and mean, physical contact. Uh, take a, let's, let's take as an example, uh, again, F7 and Domodedovo, uh, which is an airport in Moscow, or they have already installed uh, the, uh, a lot of self-check-in counters and luggage uh, self-check-in. 
so you don't have to uh, you know communicate with the staff too 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 much too much too many times and uh, this kind of technologies that uh, allow everything or almost everything to be contactless is probably where the future was going anyways but this uh, the pandemic actually um uh, speeded up the uh, implementation uh, and I think we will see more of this, not only on the passenger side, but maybe uh, on the uh, more uh, sort of obscure side that passengers usually don't see, such as, uh, you know, payments for the um, refueling, which will not uh, take, uh, you know, the transactions maybe will not take that much time with different, new different types of uh, uh, payment uh, means being introduced, such as blockchain and other different possibilities. Uh, you know, so uh, th- there's definitely going to be more uh, interesting topics to be discussed, uh, and as PR professionals, will have uh, many more opportunities uh, to communicate things like this. Who knows? This is an area I follow very closely. It's one of my areas of interest, all the intersection between technology and aviation. And I must say, yes, there is a a very dynamic ecosystem of startup companies that are designing new features, new uh, systems to make all the travel process more agile and to automate many different steps, many different stages of the travel cycle and the passenger experience. For sure, that's going to get now a big push, I guess, generate another wave as well of startups trying to ride this trend. But it was already a very active ecosystem, that, that's for sure. All right, so I think uh, we can leave it here for today. As I said, we can uh, maybe reconvene in a few months' time and see great. how things are are going. Um, in the meantime, well, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Miguel. From uh, LA, uh, Brazil, Belgrade. <laughs> it's a very, it's a truly global, global podcast. This episode. Okay, thank you very much. Great. Thanks again. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all.